Welcome, everybody, to Cat's Cradle, the portion of Sword of Symphonies where we break away from telling a story to just talk a little bit about the game, the design behind the game, and how it all works. I'm, as I mentioned, the designer of Heroic Chord, in addition to being the GM of our playtest. So this is a little spot for me to communicate my thoughts, my feelings, my secret desires, all that nonsense. With me today are Kirsten. Hello. And Kathleen. It's me again. And we're going to be talking today about character generation. We're going to walk through it step by step so you can understand a little bit more about what makes Cobb, Tissa, and Penelope tick. We're also going to be creating an NPC for Cobb's background, who we're going to spring on Nick later. It's going to be so fun. It'll be a good time. So the first thing that you do when you're creating a character in Heroic Court is you choose what kind of ranger you're going to be playing. The rangers are based partially on archetypes of play styles that I've observed in players around me and in myself, and partially based on environments. The reason they're called rangers is because these are characters who've been forged by the wilderness So a big part of the design behind the ranger types is the wilderness and what different kinds of trying circumstances can bring out in a person. So that being said, guys, what kind of ranger is this character? Hmm. Should we just say what all of the ranger types are, just for the record? Yes. Okay. So we have seven ranger types. We have the three that are in Sword of Symphonies. Penelope is a windswept cavalier. Tissa is a wandering magus. And Cobb is a tidal navigator. The classes we're missing are beckoning infiltrators, which are based kind of on a rogue archetype, wailing arcanists, who are sort of like wizards but specializing in demonology, Volcanic trackers, who are kind of the most rangery of the rangers, who specialize in the environment the party's in right now, the Coral Coast. And enduring crusaders, who are kind of like a paladin archetype. They live in the far north. Yeah, so what do we want to surprise Nick with? Do we? Because all we know so far is that it's going to be somebody from Cobb's past. Do we mm. want to give them like a real foil potentially or like someone yes. who... Yes, I'm thinking like buddy cop style, he's the the ne'er-do-well, and then we have the cop who plays by the books. Um, we are going to be giving Nick license to say how Cobb feels about this person. Mm-hmm. So Nick is going to be the one contextualizing their relationship, but this is someone Nick knows. So whether they're buddy cops is going to be up to him. Fair enough. Um, okay, but I am thinking, like you said, a foil sounds really good. Um, If nothing else, like somebody who's going to have a different set of skills, because like, sure, we could make him also a navigator and say, and like, well, I don't know if we can even say as far as like, maybe they were shipmates or something, but like, yeah, I think it'll be more fun to have a different sort of ranger than what's going on before. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm thinking as um, also within the party, It'd be good to have someone who's because we're we're all pretty. Um, I'd say we like to kind of 
do our own thing. Um, we don't really plan. Uh, we're, we're not great at adulting in our party, it seems like. So so, so you, you want to chaperone is what you want. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, you want an NPC who's going to be a parent for the party? <laughs> <laughs> party I parent. don't know. Like, I, like, we could have Nick, like, Nick could end up deciding that we're mortal enemies, though, and, like, that'll end up just be completely undoing us. <laughs> it could. It could go, it could go multiple ways. Uh, but I kind of like the idea of someone who's super, like, Calculated, good with tactics, uh, likes to kind of do things very more by the rules of, you know. Um, well, that's kind of more the MO of the um, Arcanists and Crusaders then, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and tactics is actually one of the skill specializations of the Crusader. Well, let's go with an Enduring Crusader then. All right. Okay. Kat, tell us about what Enduring Crusaders deal are. I mean, we said that they're kind of like paladin-likes, but... Yes. Um, Enduring Crusaders are chosen by the Daedalith Enduring Gaius, who lives at the center of a labyrinth buried under a vast tundra. This area of the world has been overcome by a brood of horrors they only call the Swarm. In order for pilgrims to reach Enduring Gaius and gain uh, his blessing... They need to fight their way through the swarm. So Enduring Crusaders are battle-tested. They're a lot more military than other Crusaders. Sorry, they're a lot more military than other Rangers. And they're all about teamwork and support. They stand beside each other and support each other. Shield side by side is the MO of the Crusaders. What percentage of um, an Enduring Crusaders backstory in any of your other games is, um, you know, like Starship Troopers jokes? Um, actually, in our other playtest, we also didn't have a Crusader. Oh, okay. I think that's one of the, the ones we, yeah, because uh, we've had most of the others, but we haven't had a Crusader yet. We haven't, which has pained me deeply. You're in my other playtest group, Kirsten. So I am. You're hurting me. I am the cause of pain. Well, I'm. 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 I'm a cause of pain in 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 many ways. But <laughs> yes, this is one. In, the, in this one especially. Okay, so you guys want to go with the Crusader? Yes. So now my question is: You guys have decided that you want somebody who's very by the book, very organized and tactical. Tell me a little bit about this person. Now's the time for us to actually. Before we go into that. We're going to talk about combat specialties. Combat specialties are actually a relatively recent addition to Heroic Chord. Every class had one combat specialty and one survival specialty. But as I was putting the latest addition together, I realized it was much more interesting to have multiple variations on a class build. While I like more stripped-down rules, I sometimes need to spur myself to make character generation a little bit deeper. So the combat specialties of the Enduring Crusaders. The first one is outnumbered. As long as you and your allies are outnumbered by two to one or more, you gain an extra attack every turn and access to an arpeggio that grants the target an additional attack action. Command. When a party member accepts an arpeggio from you, they become immune to being frightened for the rest of the round. This lifts fear effects already in place. A party member can accept an arpeggio from you even if they are isolated. 
And isolated is a status that means they can't, basically that they can't cooperate with their team. And the last combat specialty is frontline medic. When a party member's HP is reduced to zero, you can immediately spend a memory piece to help, even if you've already acted this round. So now my question is, of these combat specialties, which one would you like this person to have? Um, I, I think command, actually. If we're, if we're thinking of someone who's very good at, at tactical, um, tactical movements, uh, that would be very helpful. Also, I don't want them to have outnumbered because there is still, as far as I'm concerned, even odds that this is going to be an adversary to us. And we outnumber him two to one. Mm. Three to one, I guess. True enough. That's using your tactics. (laughs) That's using your noodle. Okay. So we have an Enduring Crusader commander whose specialty is inspiring, motivating, and commanding allies. All Enduring Crusaders have the survival specialty Tundra. When they're in a Tundra environment, they are immune to blinding effects, and if the environment is brightly lit, they can scatter to blind an opponent. It's very shiny in the snow. Speaking as a Canadian, it's shiny in the snow. So bright. Like there's snow where you live. Well, not not here anymore, but where I was, there was snow. (laughs) You guys got snow just like yesterday? Today, my dude. Oh, you got more today. Oh, my gosh. I'm actually in that same boat with you today. Oof. Last, hopefully, spring snow out here. Uh, The Rockies (laughs) and the prairies. It's bananas. So, long story short, the Enduring Crusader is very much built for a place of experience. (laughs) (laughs) So, my next uh, question is the starting skills... No, I've lied. I've told you a dreadful lie. So now my question is, what stats are you giving our crusader friend? Hmm. So I'm going to talk a little bit about stats while you guys are on this. The reason I chose the stats that I did is partially because um, I like alternative stat systems. Admittedly, I have this dreadful iconoclastic streak that makes me want to just smash things everybody uses. And it's... (laughs) It's not always um, necessarily particularly well thought out. But in this case, I realized that in building this world, all of these characters are strong. They're survivalists. All of these characters are, to some extent or another, intelligent. They're wise. They're tough. They have to be. So these weren't the things that were differentiating characters anymore. Everybody would have high stats in kind of a classic stat breakdown. So what does differentiate people that are all physically capable? And the answer that I hit on was their way of solving problems, which is why we've got the five stats that we have. And I went into these a little bit in episode one of Sword of Symphonies. Daring, adaptability, understanding, sensitivity, and subtlety are different ways of dealing with problems and different ways of leveraging the physical strength and the mental strength that all of these characters are assumed to have. So it's not a matter of, I mean, Cobb is probably stronger than Tissa, but that's his athletic skill. Tissa is stronger than an average person would be. You have to be to survive the desert. The difference is in how they choose to use their strengths to solve problems. 
Okay, so you're going to start with one point in each of these five facets, and then you're going to assign four points among them. So what kind of person is this? You know what? Here's what we're going to do. You guys have got four points. I'm going to let you each assign two of them. Okay. I'm actually going to assign one to understanding. Okay. And one to subtlety. Okay. What about you, Kathleen? So I'm kind of thinking about a commander. Um, A commander is going to need to, like, be able to read the battlefield and make decisions. So I'm going to, I was going to do one point in adaptability, or not adaptability, daring and one point in sensitivity. Hmm. Okay. Though right now we've made a character that's two of everything except for adaptability. They're very Mario, yes. I like adaptability being a uh, a weak point for a character that's interacting with Cobb because Cobb is very spontaneous. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, I this mean, isn't the plan. <laughs> yeah. Having a low adaptability kind of fits with this stern commander you guys are uh, you guys are portraying. So the next step is we're going to be asking about the skills. So they're going to start with one point in each of their class skills, and then you guys get to assign eight more points in just whatever skills you want. Now, the starting skills are survival with a specialty in tundra, melee weapons, mid-range weapons, engineering, and tactics. So you guys have got eight points in skills. Now, what other skills does this person have? Mm, okay. Let's see here. Well, they've got to have humanity if they're a commander. Mm, they have to know point. people and uh, be able to, like, communicate and inspire. Uh, you guys have got eight points, so I think I'm going to do what I did before and just give you each four. And you can assign them in the class skills as well. So I'll just make the bold, easy choice and uh, give them two points in humanity and another point in tactics and, hmm. yeah, let's add some flavor. How about fashion? Oh, I was actually thinking that one too, because I'm like, if they're a commander, they're, they're about kind of how to interact with um, okay. with society. So I so so far we've got one point in all of the base skill no uh one point in the base skills one more in tactics two in humanity and one in fashion. All right. Okay. Kirsten, four skill points. Um I'm going to add a point to mid-range weapons. I think okay. using a them using like a pole arm or something like that. And I'm going to add another point in survival. Okay. Um, since uh, we're envisioning a commander of sorts, uh, perhaps they were a naval commander, so I'm going to do um, a navigation. Okay. So I've done three. Yes. And... Do it. <laughs> do it. You know you want to. I'm torn because I do want to give them athletics, but I actually really want to give them politics. Okay. I think I'm going to give them politics. 
Okay, so this is a character who has, and I'm just going to kind of run through these skills. The skill list is longer than I think you, listener, would be comfortable with me just rattling off. So we have survival with a specialty in the tundra, which is used primarily for survival pools and for responding to challenges. We have mid-range weapons, which is pole arms, spears, anything that's kind of longer than roughly like a three or four foot range. We have one point in melee weapons, which is closer than that range. We have two points in tactics, which is used for evaluating battlefield situations and responding thoughtfully and tactically to combat. Engineering, one point. It's used for large structures, things like bridges, towers, architecture also falls under engineering. We have two points in humanity. This is somebody who knows how to interact with other human beings on a one-to-one basis. But we also have one point in politics, which is, this is someone who also understands how to deal with a mass of people. Politics covers things like speech giving, um, propaganda campaigns, interacting with the masses as a mass entity rather than one-to-one. This is someone who has one point in fashion, which is a skill that's used kind of generally to fit in and encompasses things like a local accent, local trends, obviously fashionable clothing, but anything that marks a person as part of the in crowd is fashion. And one point in navigation is a sailor, perhaps. (laughs) Okay. Before we move on to the background questions and who this person really is, what is the lesson that they have to learn in their first season? Let's actually, let's hold off on that for right now. And let's start with what season one ability does this person have? Now, every season, when you finish your spotlight arc, and we'll get more into that in the future as we embark on spotlight arcs for Cobb, Tissa, and Penelope, but... Every season, you learn a lesson in your spotlight arc. And that's something that you decide on and you talk to your GM about. And at the end of a season, you gain a new ability. And your ability list increases by three that you get to choose from. So when you start the game, you start with your season one abilities. For example, what's Tissa's season one ability? Tissa's season one ability is overscatter. That means that um, if I cast a spell that is sort of beyond my limits, if it would cause me to go over the maximum scatter cap, the spell becomes more powerful, either mechanically or narratively. Right. It will still knock Tissa out, but Tissa basically gets to go out in a blaze of glory. I mean, gets to get knocked out in a blaze of glory. Right. Although... I mean, that could be going down if it goes bad enough. If it goes bad enough. So the season one abilities, one of them is Overscatter for a Crusader. One of them is Maze Master. You have an unerring sense of direction and cannot get lost. You always know exactly where you are. The other one is Weaponsmith. Provided you have access to materials, you can spend a memory piece to create a custom weapon for somebody. As long as it's used by the right person, it deals more damage. Mm. I kind of like the idea of them being able to like overscatter because they're just, they're tough, they're battle hardened, and they 
they just keep forging ahead. They don't they don't tire easy. Mm. I was kind of thinking um, about Maze Master because that's kind of an interesting counterpoint to a title navigator's ability to like navigate to pull together in strange situations, wherein instead, like you have Maze Master, which is someone with an unerring sense of direction who can forge ahead maybe by themselves or as a leader instead of as a uh, crew working together. Hmm. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Okay. All right. So now let's talk a little bit about who this is. We have got right now a character who has average capabilities in everything but adaptability, who has the specialty commander and the season one ability maze master. This is somebody who knows what to do and knows how to tell people what to do. This is someone who has fashion sense, who is skilled in dealing with people both as a group and one-on-one, who has skills with multiple different kinds of weapons and has studied tactics and solitary survival. Now my question is, who is this? Mm. Let's give our friend, let's give our friend a little more, a little more meat on them bones. All right. Um... I'm thinking they're going to be um, a bit older, at least in their later 30s or something like that. Um, they've had some experience. They're not a young kid. Um, so I'm saying, at, yeah, at least later 30s, um, maybe mid 40s kind of idea. Well, so looking at the stats we've given this person, I think one of the most important things to me about them is that kind of all of our characters to one degree or another, from what I can remember about our stats and backgrounds, have a little bit of a loner thing going on, whereas this guy's, or girl, or person, while this person has a bunch of social skills. Mm -hmm. So this is someone who is at home amongst people and moving about, and I can imagine them being a kind of social climber, maybe even. Oh, I like that. So kind of the old-fashioned idea of like a noble officer corps, somebody who's in command but is also very socially conscious. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I dig it. Oh, I dig that. All right. So what kind of okay, let's let's um let's decide what um what kind of gender identity does this person have? Kathleen, you keep saying he. Are we envisioning an older dude? I think I am. Okay, that works. Yeah, we're envisioning a dude. I'm going to just type D-U-D-E in my document here. So so that works because I can add into my notes an officer and a gentleman. Oh, gorgeous. Oh, no, wait, sorry. I misspelled it. Mm. Spelled, sorry, D-0-0-D. Thank you. Good, perfect. Okay. <laughs> so... It's important that you spell it correctly and that you let everyone know. So now it's time to answer some background questions for our dude. Um, How did he feel when he had his first battle? He was ready. If we're kind of envisioning the the, the classic uh, sort of nobility where uh, the family, you know, there's part of the family goes into the military, probably comes from a, like a, that kind of background, um, so grew up with stories of it, um, with relatives 
being in the military, they'd basically been prepared for it for a long time. Okay, Kathleen, is he still frightened in combat? Hmm. I think that maybe he's a little bit more frightened in some ways as he's gotten older than when he was when he was younger. Not necessarily that he's a coward, but that years of experience have taught him a due caution, that anything can happen, that bad things will happen, and you have to deal with that. All right. Kirsten, does he still live near the tundra? Um, yes. I'd say, I'd say he travels um, regularly, but he, he still considers his home base. Uh, perhaps he still has family that live near there that he goes to see regularly. He has qu- close ties to it, at least. Um, so that leads then the interesting question of how we're going to run across this person as we are way the heck toward the coasts and the jungle. I mean, I'm going to be putting you guys all over the place. Right now you guys are near the coast and the jungle, but I'm the GM. Now that you guys have put an important NPC near the tundra, don't worry about it. Trust me. Fair enough. <laughs> did that? Did that um, obnoxious click I did get onto the get onto the audio? Because it's very important. <laughs> <laughs> I need you to understand, everybody, that I am winking at you, audience. Okay. Um, my next question is Kathleen. Kathleen, did he serve in a battalion for any length of time? I think that if we're kind of going with this officer and a gentleman archetype. I could imagine that he would have considered it his duty to uh, sort of continue to work against the swarm in the early part of his career. Okay. So the next question in the background questions in the manual is, do you think you have what it takes to be a commander? And he is, so he does. Actually, no, I'm going to ask Kirsten. Mm -hmm. Does he think he has what it takes to be a commander? Oh. Just going to change the emphasis there. I think they, um, okay, how do, how do I put this? Similar to how Kathleen was saying, as they've gotten more experience, they've, they've realized how things can go wrong. Um, I think that they, they feel, they feel capable in their skills in manners and they've grown their skills over their experience. However, they've realized how valuable humanity can be and, no matter how trained they are, um, no matter th- th- things like that, that um, things are still fallible. And so I guess long story short, they feel capable, but over time they've ex- experienced the fact that um, the more they've learned, the more they realize how little they know, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, no, that makes that makes sense. So this is somebody who's matured in a lot of ways and maybe doesn't have the same confidence of youth anymore. Mm-hmm. So the final question is for Kathleen. And does he consider himself a soldier first or does he have another profession? Hmm. Well, we haven't touched on the sort of, well, I guess maybe a little bit, but um, I think that if he's got like these skills in politicking and humanity and being around people. And I think that he really is seeing himself as an officer or as a leader um, as much as he is seeing himself as a soldier anymore. Okay. Yeah, this is a this is an interesting character we've built here. This is somebody who 
I'm actually like, we're giving Nick free reign to decide how Cobb feels, but I don't know that Cobb's going to like this guy. (laughs) I don't think Cobb is going to like this guy. (laughs) I like him. I think he's great. I don't think Cobb's going (laughs) to. Cobb might have some issues. Well, it serves him right. So... So my next question is, um, let's let's name this person. One thing that um, didn't make it into the manual you guys have, but is going to be in the upcoming one, is that a lot of crusaders, especially high-ranking ones, incorporate um, the name of Gaius into their own. We've got an NPC who is called Gaius Beryl. I'm going to be introducing a character named Clara Gaius Ascendant. So... While not all of them do, that's something that a lot of crusaders do as a way of kind of demonstrating how important this duty is to their identity. So are we kind of getting into like Puritan names here? Um, for surnames, not necessarily for, for given names. Mm-hmm. I, I was thinking something kind of like Roman sounding like Marcus or like Marcus Gaius. Now, is that just because Gaius is... <laughs> Also a Roman name. Maybe. <laughs> so um, here's here's another peek behind the curtain, I guess. All of the Daleths are named after important people from history or legend because I'm a classics nerd. And um, Gaius is the first name of one Julius Caesar. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. Yeah, you caught me, Kirsten. <laughs> you caught me. It's the it's the U.S. ending. The like, <laughs> what is that? The first K or my my Latin is lacking. Yeah. Okay, so Marcus, what kind of uh, what kind of surname does Marcus have? Has he has he taken on kind of a a job related one, or does he still have a family name that he goes by? Because hmm. you guys mentioned that he was like from kind of a noble family. And background-wise, this area was once a country called Rhymehold. And Rhymehold was always kind of highlands and very preoccupied with things like feudal rank. The nobility and royalty of Rhymehold still exist, but for the most part, the country doesn't. It's been replaced with tundra and... There are scattered settlements here and there. Okay. Um, I, I think, think he still has a family oh, name. Sorry. Oh, I, I was actually just because yeah, I was going to say he's a uh, family name because I think he has strong ties to his family. He's a lot of pride, and wherever wherever they live, they they're pretty. Um, you know, they've been there for a long time, and uh, they're pretty well well established and uh, integrated into the community. And so we talked a lot in sort of giving this, uh, giving Marcus background here that history and tradition and learning are really important to his background and his experience of the world. Okay. So um, I don't actually have any guidelines for names yet. I guess that's a blind spot I've got to fill as I go into the next edition of this manual. So let's just, uh, what kind of name does Marcus have? We're going to do that thing where I get you both to say a word and we'll mash them together. I'll do it. Sorry. And we'll mash them together. I'll do it. Don't test me. Ooh. Oh, I know. Actually, I want something that involves like 
winter. Uh, or, sorry, my mind's at a, at a blank right now. Uh, Kat, do you have months? Or is there a calendar in uh, sort and sort? Uh, in the <laughs> Uh, I mean, they have a calendar. These people have a calendar. Have I made one? Not yet. No, that's fine. I was hoping. I was hoping to crib off your hard work rather than having to come up with something. <laughs> You're real good at pointing out the places I haven't done stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's. I'm going to say. Whitstan. All right, great. Because my default is Old English. <laughs> I studied Old English in college and I'm going to use it. God damn it. All right, so we have created Commander Marcus Whitstan. He is well rounded, except not particularly adaptable, good with people. Fashionable. I cannot say that enough because it's my favorite of his skills. Um, capable on the battlefield. Old enough to realize that uh, life on the battlefield is not perhaps as much fun as his 20-something self uh, might have believed. And old enough to understand how much growth he has ahead of him in life. I like Marcus. I mean, Cobb's not gonna, but I like Marcus. He's a pretty cool character. <laughs> I like him. So my next question is this. What lesson does Marcus have to learn? If Marcus were a player character who had his own special story arc, like you guys are all going to, what would he be learning? Oh, it's interesting because he sounds pretty mature in a lot of ways. But perhaps he needs to reignite, um, reignite the a bit of the passion of his youth. That's good, because we've talked a lot about experience and history and family ties. Maybe there is, or like sort of the trappings of nobility, maybe there's something like, to expose my own politics a little bit of, something of he has distanced himself from the people around him in his sort of social climber thing. Maybe he needs some passion. Maybe he needs some... Uh, Getting back in touch with the people. Ooh, okay. Maybe he catches the travel bug. <laughs> hmm. That could be interesting. So I've written, there's something to be gained from openness and youthful passion. I like that. Yeah, I like Marcus. Good job, guys. Thanks. I'm not even going to make my own NPCs anymore. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is actually pretty cool. We can uh, definitely... You know, if there's another session of doing this, uh, creating a couple more characters, it's pretty fun, kind of like collaborating <laughs> and creating someone. I I enjoyed this a lot. I wasn't sure how it was going to go. Pleasantly thrilled. I'd like to say pleasantly surprised, but that's a little too mild, I think. So um, thanks for, for listening to this here, Cat's Cradle. Hopefully you understand a little bit more of the skeletons that are holding our protagonists up. And hopefully you look forward to the introduction of Marcus, who I'm sure will be Cobb's best friend. Oh, they're going to be buddy cops. It's uh, it's going to happen. <laughs> Actually, probably not. <laughs> but it's my hope anyway.
Okay, so you can find us on Twitter at Peach Garden RPGs or online at peachgardengames.com or at sortofsymphonies.com. Thanks so much, everybody. I'll catch you next time. That sound is me waving.